On this week's episode, Alan and I are going to break down the TOC finals all the way to the regions. We sure hope you enjoy this one. You're listening to the UKC Hunting Ops podcast, celebrating hunting dog heritage, competition, and community. United Kennel Club has been the hunting dog sports home for coonhounds, beagles, retrievers, pointers, cur feist, and more for over 125 years. This podcast is fueled by Yukonuba, the official performance dog nutrition partner of UKC. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the UKC Hunting Ops podcast. This is Trevor Wade. I'll be your host today, and I'm joined, as usual, by the director of Hunting Ops, Alan Gingrich. How's it going, Alan? Good. It's a good day. It's snowing outside today, but how, geez, how can, can you believe that? It's no, snowing today. It's a bad day for what me. What is it? April 25th today. It is snowing and two days, three days ago it was 80 degrees. So yeah. yeah, go figure. No wonder everybody's sick all the time with this weather. I feel like I've been sick all month. Yeah. I swear summer's on its way though. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you, you, you had planned for this, did you? <laughs> no, uh, no, the weather is, yeah. is really taking a toll on everybody. I think yeah. everybody's psyche, but yeah. uh, but we do have a fun uh, podcast today to lift to lift our spirits up, and we're going to be talking about the TOC. Uh, first, we're going to talk about the TOC finals. We talked about it last week. We interviewed all of our winners, uh, some other people involved in the event, and and like we promised this week, we're going to get down to kind of the, the nuts and bolts of it. We're going to talk about uh, some numbers. We're going to have a bunch of thank yous to talk about. Um, and, and just go over a lot of fun data that I think people are going to enjoy about the event. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's a lot of work and we put a lot of work into it. There's a lot of folks involved that do a lot of work with it, but it is a fun one, isn't it? It is. It's yeah. fun. I it circle is. it every year. I always yeah. look forward to it. Honestly, when you look at it as just ones that I look forward to every year, the TOC finals and the world championship finals, they kind of stand alone for me just because man, you can, we can just enjoy them. We have so much time to, to get to know the people there and, and to have conversations with new people and catch up with with people that we've known from the past and man and everybody's happy to be there. Yeah, and that's kind of you you bring up a good point with that because we have a little bit more time and even this year even more so because we started it a day early, started on Thursday. The first two years we didn't we had two rounds on Friday and then two on Saturday. We we spread it out one more day and and that gives us even more time. And that's what makes it a little different. You think Autumn Oaks Winter Classic, yeah, we get to talk to a lot of people but uh, there's, you know, there's just a lot more people at those events too, but at this event, it does give us an opportunity. If we don't talk to everybody, that's our fault. And we should, right. you know, and we try to, I think you and I both try to make sure we talk to everybody that's there. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about automotive winter classic. It just always seems like there's something that has to be done within the next few minutes and you kind of got to rush through conversations and move on. But yeah, like you said here, you have a little bit, a little bit more leisure time, downtime, yeah. I guess, to, to do things. Cause when you look at yeah. the grand scheme of things. Putting on a hundred dog hunt, not the hardest thing in the world for us to do, especially with a host club there getting guides together. So, mm-hmm. yep. so yeah, let's talk about the. Let's start out with the finals. Uh, as it has been for the past two years, we were back at Three Fat Labs, went in an event barn there in Greencastle, Indiana, and uh, the only downside was the bridges were still out for the same as last year. But other than that, the venue looked great. I know. I'm pretty sure if we got everybody to grab a shovel, we could have probably <laughs> finished it off there before we opened it up on Thursday. But, yeah. hey, they say it's supposed to be done before next next year. So, as a matter of fact, I think this they're supposed to be finished with it here in the next week or two. So 
that'll make life a lot easier it for all will, the participants. But you know, that's a, the detour drive back to it is that it's, it's a dirt road. And this year it was a little dry, you know, that first day and the dust was flying, but that's a nice little drive back along the river all it's the way back to it. What is that? There. A mile and a half or yeah. something like that. Now the other way around where you're talking about where the bridge is, that's all paved road, you know, and I guess you don't have the dust, but that is a nice little back road to go back to it though. Yeah. It's you know, an enjoyable little drive. And yeah. Always like going, always a ton of game on that road. Yeah. We drive through there at night. There's always coons crossing the road. Drive through there during the day. Yeah. You see the was, deer and the turkeys. That out. was the case on Thursday night. A lot of the hunters came back in and, you know, along the river there, a lot of them were seeing game crossing, even some off game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, hey, let's let's park it here and talk about our staff a little bit that was working the event. You and I oftentimes are the, the faces of the program. Uh, get a lot of the credit, but man, there's a lot of people behind the scenes that put in a lot of work. And the first two I'll mention are Vice President Nicole Sedlecki and our uh, National Events Coordinator Director uh, Megan Hartmas. They both do a lot for this event, from you know securing the venue, making sure the dates are good, they cater in the good food for everybody to eat all weekend long. They're there responsible for foods and drinks. They they get all of our our merchandise and advertisement around the the building looking top flight and. Uh, and there's just a lot goes into it behind the scenes that they do yeah. that, uh, that they don't get recognized enough for. And we don't have a happier, go luckier person on our staff than Megan. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. A couple of diet, I always say a couple of diet Cokes and she's raring to she go. Is. Yeah, so. <laughs> she is. <laughs> but yeah, I think this year it looked just as good as ever. They, yeah. they did a, a great job and, and all the food was top notch. I didn't hear any, any complaints about that. And they just did a great, a great job this year again. So. Um, then we talk about the media team a little bit. Uh, we had Keegan Adrians, Bailey Vershoof, Shannon about, he Nardi, always does a good and job. Tracy we have Chilson to say because he's sitting right over here on the side <laughs> here. He counts us down here for the for this <laughs> podcast. But no, he does he does a great job. And those all those candid photos yeah, and everything that's that's great. yeah yeah yep. And I thought the uh, the uh, social media coverage was just as good this year as ever. When you looked on there, there nobody was wondering who won any casts. Yep. Uh, or where to go to find yep. coverage or events or links. So that's always important for us. Yep. Hey, I kind of stepped in there a little bit. You mentioned the others, Bailey Vershoof and Shannon Nardi, Tracy Chilson. Don't want them to get drowned out there. I was kind of going to go through them okay. each a little bit here. <laughs> Bailey, of course, she she puts together a lot of our graphics for the live show and different things. And anytime we put together some paperwork that we want to hand out to the customers or mail out to them, that she's always uh, making those look a lot better than, than yep. I ever could for sure. Uh, yeah, and they look great this year again. They always do, but she just went above and beyond for all that stuff. Yeah. Tracy Chilson, uh, of course, she's not part of, technically part of our UKC staff, but we use her at a lot of events taking pictures for us. And she was there Thursday taking pictures of the top 96 as they confirm their entries. They go around and take pictures, mm -hmm. and she always takes a good picture. And people they, people like her. They like they like her. her she's great about getting a dog to even, most of these dogs are hunting dogs, you know, and they don't. They don't set up the nicest, but she's right. she has a knack for even making a lot of those dogs, relaxing them, and getting a good photo of a dog. Yeah. And a, a dog set up halfway decent is always a better photo. And those, you're right, those photos look great. Yes, that blue in front of the in front of the and the step, the way they did all that, that looks that looks good. I thought they turned out great this year. Yep. And I saved uh, Shannon Nardi for last. Obviously, she's a huge part of our production team. And that the, the live show, this is kind of where the live show for us uh, originated a few years ago whenever Bad Butch brought home the first TOC championship. Uh, that's kind of where all of our live show stuff started, and she's been the key cog in that in that machine, and she did a, another great job this year with our two live shows that we put on that we'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, 
uh, her and her production team that she brings along, her brother Hop. Uh, you got Rick and Jeff, man. Uh, one's a producer, one's a take, uh, camera guy. Camera, camera right. work. Yep. Uh, Brandon Fiend is uh, moving around doing different camera work for us. He's the one out in the woods, too, at night with the big camera on his shoulder, climbing those hills. That's right. Going wherever you guys go. That's right. And I, I put Clayton Stark right here in this area because he also goes out on the final cast with us. He does some communication with the production team, and also he does his own thing, uh, get, taking videos and pictures of the event, which we much appreciate. Mm -hmm. uh, he does an awesome job for us. And then the last Good thing. guy, too. Great guy. Talking about the production team is a guy I mentioned the on-screen talent a little bit. Of course, Jay Paul was there as our host for the third year in a row here at the TLC Finals. Uh, this year he was uh, saddled again with Steve Burkholder and Rick Stretch as the experts. I thought they did a great job this mm -hmm. year. A lot of good conversation, a lot of good talking points. And, uh, man, I listened to – I watched the whole eight-hour show after the event those next couple of days, and I really enjoyed a lot of the conversation they had between those two. Yeah, I really like those interviews that Rick did outside on the back patio with the cast winners on Thursday as they came in, all 24. He got every one of them. As they came in, they're, they'd get back there, and, and they'd uh, – they uh, you can see all those on their – on their production as well. Rick does a great job with those handlers. Yeah. One of the new things this year that we wanted to do was something that they titled Coon Hunting 101 was one of our field reps that was there actually officiating the event as well. And that's Jamie Eastep from West Virginia. He He's just a natural, isn't he? He is. He's good on the camera. He yeah. does a lot better than me. Kind of no notes at all, hardly just yeah. a rule book in front of him. And he just navigated a whole segment there, a few segments of uh, kind yeah. of talking to the beginners of the sport, which is something that I sometimes forget about personally. Yeah, we've wanted to do that. You know, we've talked about it every year, and it seems like we kind of sidestepped that a little bit when the time came, you know, really break it down, just the bare basics, because like you said, we do have a lot of folks watching those live streams that really don't know a whole lot about the sport. Maybe somebody's wife is watching from home, or her husband or her kids or her uh, are handling a dog there, and they're watching this, and then they invite a couple of their friends who know nothing about the sport you know so that was good so we kind of had him do that one-on-one -on -one. and i was up there he recorded that on thursday um yeah on third i think it was thursday the earlier in the day anyways and uh i'm talking about jamie Eastep, his one-on-one -on, -one on the night hunt rule stuff but he he broke it down he did one with kind of everything you know from tailgate to tree the scoring from tailgate to tree and then he kind of broke those down in four five six different segments as well for a little series that they're going to run but he when he when he broke those down, it, it was just a natural, you know. Yeah. He did one. A lot of them were one takers, you know. And uh, he, as soon as he was done, just tell me when, tell me <laughs> when he's ready for the next one. So he yeah. did a great job. Yeah, after seeing him do it, we kind of be kind of foolish not to have him. He's probably going to take our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He's a man but, that wears many hats for us already. Yeah, so he's yeah. uh, very capable, and we appreciate all that, all that he does for us. And the last one I have known here is John Strickland, of course. They pulled him in a couple of times to talk about you know, giving a different perspective of the event, somebody mm -hmm. who's been there to compete every year so far and to kind of give an outside perspective. And I really enjoyed the conversation he brought to the show. He did. And, you know, John likes to talk, and and, uh, and he's one that was willing to do it. And that's not an easy thing. You know, we can uh, we, we've asked a few folks to, to maybe uh, be available to come on, and a lot of them have been pretty hesitant, you know, so hopefully – uh, he was a good one to start it, kind of break the ice, you know, for that, you know, and hopefully some others will see that. And, and hey, it's not – you just get on and talk like you and I are talking. Yeah. Talk about your hunt, you know, and it's it's not that big of a deal. But it is when there's lights and cameras and everything, something that you're not used to. It's, we we understand. It's yeah. it's kind of it's, tough. But yeah. yeah, it's intimidating up it there. It is. It can be. It's somebody like John who's, yeah. who's pretty confident he can get up there and, and talk yeah. about it. But 
Hey, I will say this, you know, you're going back to Jamie Eastep, you know, we're talking about lights and all that stuff or whatever. <laughs> Jamie's up there after a couple of those segments or whatever, he has to turn around and wipe the sweat off. He's like, man, these lights are hot. And the <laughs> producer told me they're LED. <laughs> <laughs> I had to laugh. <laughs> a little nerves for him. Huh? Yeah. He yeah. wasn't showing it, but yeah, yeah. that's pretty funny. So there you go, Jamie. I don't think it was the lights. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of uh, of Jamie, let's shift gears to our vent officials that week, and we had four master. We had four of our field reps on on tap to be master of hounds, and uh, uh, just a great four guys. Uh, Doug Cundiff right there from uh, Greencastle, Indiana, just close by. Kind of one of our senior reps at this point. It's hard to believe he's a senior. You know, he's shoot, I think he's younger than I am. <laughs> uh, Mr. Philip Foster got to come for the first time from down there in uh, in South Carolina, uh, built in South Carolina. So he got to come enjoy it for the first time. He really enjoyed himself. Him, him and his wife Sharon enjoyed their weekend, I believe. Yep. Uh, Jamie, like we talked about, came over from West Virginia, uh, Elkins, West Virginia, uh, for his first tournament champions final. And then our newest field rep, uh, Brandon Scalf, just down the road in Kentucky. He's judged for us at this event before. Uh, he's not very far away. We thought it would be a good idea to come up there. He helped us secure a few judges and, and whatnot. So uh, he was a big part of the weekend as well. Brandon Scalf from yep. Kentucky. Um, Retired police officer, state policeman, I think, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. They kind of – State uh, trooper. We were going to get to it here in a minute, but they kind of had a boring weekend, those four. Uh, we, with everything going on, we ended up only having one question come back to the Master yeah, of Hounds all I know, weekend. I know. Which yeah. was kind of uh, incredible given the, you know, the height of the of the cast. You know, we always talk about questions aren't a bad thing. We want to get the the calls right ultimately, and it's just a testament to the judges that we had there that it seemed like most of the calls were, were made correctly. Testament to the judges, that's one thing, but also the handlers, you know, being reasonable about things and, and – uh, we, we see it all the time, you know, somebody maybe just bringing anything in just to, trying to get anything to try to try any avenue they can, you know. But I think for the most part, the hunters are really on board with being professional, yeah. you know. And, hey, if you have a legitimate question, by all means, we want to get it right, you know. But if it's, uh, if, you're, if, it's if you're reaching and just being unreasonable about it, ah, let's leave that where it needs to stay, you know. Right. And, I, and, they, and they have. I, I feel like they have. Yeah. That, that is, you're right. That's a testament mm -hmm. to all the hunters that were there. Absolutely. The yep. Uh, we got to give a shout out real quick to the to the host club, the deer the Deer Creek Coon Hunters Club there in uh, Greencastle, Cloverdale, right there on the line. Uh, they've gladly hosted this event the past few years. Provide uh, all the guides. They're responsible for getting all the guides for it. Yep. I, I put down three names here. I know that there's it's a whole group of, of people there that do that do this, but uh, our field rep Doug Cundiff, Tyler Pettit, and Cody Carter. Uh, those are the three that we would work most closely with with this club. Um, I know that they uh, they put in a lot of work yep. getting good, top-quality guides. They wanted to get yep. guides who you could score coons on, but your dog would be safe at the same time. And there's plenty of room. To, you know how dogs get spread out now. They, that was a main priority of them is dog safety when securing their 24 guides for Thursday night yeah. especially. And the other thing with having it on Thursday now, it allows us to uh, – it allows them to get guides that are maybe a little further away. And, it, you know, a time isn't so much a virtue anymore as far as, you know, getting them back for another round. But, yeah, you know, I, and I think Doug is going to be quick to say that, uh, you know, Tyler and Cody did most of that legwork for all the guides. Yeah. So, hey, kudos and thanks to – both of them, all three of them. While we're talking about those two guys, they they really helped me get a couple <clears throat> judges for the weekend too. You know, that's I talk about the these these kind of hunts or the, the TOC finals and the World Finals are kind of easier easier from the standpoint of putting on the events. You know, we have twenty four to twenty six casts going to the woods. 
that's pretty easy for uh, for us to put on a hunt of that size. Mm-hmm. But the hardest part of it is getting quality non-hunting judges to the event venue and, and to do that for us, especially on a Thursday night. And, and over the past couple of years, it seems to be getting more challenging and more challenging to do so. So I want to take time and I want to thank the guys who did come out and help us out with that. Um, I know they had to take time away from their family. They may have had to t- take time off work. Uh, they may have had to sleep for only a couple hours before work the next day. They all sacrificed something to be there just for, you know, for us to help us out, to put on a quality event. And man, I sure can't, can't say thank you enough to this group of people. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, so I'll start out with the, with the guys who judged forecast for us over, over the weekend. That's Jeremy Cox, Jason Bryant, and Brian Smith. They, those three guys judged all four rounds for us over the weekend. Uh, we had three people who judged three casts over the weekend. That's uh, Cody Carter, Tyler Pettit, and Cody Sipe. Uh, we had a handful of people who judged through Friday night for us, meaning they judged the rounds one and two and ended up taking off after the, the cast on Friday night. Uh, Keegan Bays, Chase Blevins, Eric Bowling, Jeremy Kidd, Logan Rose, and Jason Smith. Thank you guys so much for sticking around for Friday night. And uh, especially uh, – um, there's a there's a good list of guys here for for round two or sorry for round one on Thursday night who uh, who could only come for more, for one night you know you're only coming for one round it doesn't obviously it may not pay off for them uh, uh, financially or whatever but we try to you know we give a fair amount I think for judging the cast we always try to help out with gas a little bit or for sticking around we'll get them a hotel room or whatnot but uh, here's a list of guys who judged on Thursday night for us Dean Daughtry Matt Lingo John Steber Kevin Cable Derek Bryan Bryce Matthews, Jared Lehman, Tom Lynch, Chris Girth, Andy Canada, Austin and Will Lane came, and Jared Miller. Mm-hmm. So, and some of those guys, heck, we had to wait. We, we didn't even get them on the books to do it for us till Wednesday, Wednesday evening, Thursday morning, even. Yeah, there were several of those, but yeah, you're right. You know, and the one one thing that I did hear from uh, uh, one or two of those is uh, that came and drove a good little distance to help us out. You know, is hey, you know. I compete in these these type of events, you know, and instead of complaining about judges when you're not in it, uh, I'm going to go help out. And, man, that means so much. And there's a lot to be said about that, you know. And, and some of these guys that don't get to be in that top 96, you know, if if they're good judges and, and can get away to help us out, man, it means a whole lot. You know, a lot of those guys that are that are handling dogs uh, uh, week in and week out, you know, those are some of the stronger judges in the country, around the country, you know, so really appreciate that, really do. And I appreciate them having that outlook like that, you know. And the other thing that I like that we do here, and we should probably do it a little more often, you know, we have a judges meeting and we kind of put some things up on a screen uh, before we send the judges out. And I just think it just helps a great deal. Get everybody on the same page. We cover a couple things, just some little reminders and, and I think it helps a great deal. I think and it I, helps get ahead of any issues we may and probably a big help. Things things that you may not think about when you're there at a big venue, there's a lot going on. You got some of the best dogs and handlers in the country there. Are you gonna remember to do a pre uh pre cut loose collar check yeah. to get ahead of that problem before it yep. ever occurs? And just little reminders like that, I think. Yeah, you know, and and it, that's a, a a good example. You know, okay, that's not something you see a whole lot, but you know, I'm all about that eliminating issues, potential issues before they even before they even happen. You know, and uh, uh, checking collars is one of those. You know, and and you know what, they had one, they had one that was uh, and was just uh, they eliminated a potential problem. Yeah. You know, last thing you want to see is somebody get scratched. You know, and and uh, unfortunately, you might have a few people try a little this or that but uh hey all worked out yeah 
It's a good thing. That's right. So uh, we'd be remiss not to mention the guides who Absolutely. also do the same thing. Absolutely. You know, a lot of them are close by. Yep. They probably don't take time off work. They stayed they stayed out all night to help us, went to work the next day, yep. then came back again to help help mm-hmm. us guide. And and they put us, as we're going to talk about after we mention their names here, we're going to talk about all the coons that we scored. They did a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it got in three casts over the weekend, Tyler Pettit, Cody Carter, and Bishop Stalkop. Got in two casts this weekend were Mike Comer, Jim Minnick and Bob Stalkop. And then got in one cast this weekend was Dean Daughtry, Kevin Cook, Dwayne Car- Carpenter, Derek Bridge, Tracy Inslee, Chris Comer, Brad Hall, Justin Haddon, Tom Hacker, Matt Newport, Tom Lynch, Jesse Peacock, Bushy, Bucky Ashcraft, Bobby O'Neill, Devin Ely, Steve Sheldon, Jeff and Chloe O'Neill, Brylin Jones, and Mr. Doug Cunn have judged our final cast for us on Saturday night guided, for the final. Guided. guided, sorry. Yeah. Guided the final cast for us. So I think you, you just said the same thing I did. I think on the uh, during that uh, live stream on Saturday when I announced the first uh, report, I think I said the same thing that Doug Cunniff was judging. I meant to say guiding. <laughs> did the same I thing. did. I did. Yeah, you're right. I did catch that. Yeah. Uh, there you yeah. go. Hey, once you get to run, but that was messing up on that stuff. But yeah. I actually took, uh, got some coon scored numbers here at the finals, and man, what a weekend! Uh, testament to guides, and and also a testament to how good the dogs that were there. Uh, round one, of course, there was twenty four cast. Uh, we ended up hunting ninety three dogs. We had three dogs that couldn't come, whether they were in season or something came up with the handler not being able to be there. So twenty four cast. We had three three dog cast. Over the twenty four cast, one hundred and forty coons seen, one hundred and two scored. That's an average of four point three coons scored per cast on That's, the first round. You cannot, you can't beat that. And it was dry. Yeah. And tracking conditions weren't great, and uh, still just a great, great night. That the first the night. time of year, you know, the time of year too is just is just good. Often, most times, either they're going to be there or they're not. Yeah. Scoring a tree is not that difficult. Either they're there or not, and it's uh, you get a group of ninety-six dogs like that coming there. There, I don't know how many. Uh, if, if you did any research as far as how many slick trees or how many minuses, circles, and this and that, you know, but probably not going to be as many minus trees as as somebody might think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on to round two, where we have six. We had six four dog casts in round two on Friday night. We had a little bit of rain that day, and I thought every, everybody really thought that was going to help tracking conditions a little bit, and I think it did a little bit. Over those six casts, 31 coons seen, 27 of them were scored, and that, that comes out to an average of four and a half coons scored per cast in that yeah. round two. Same same thing. You're just slightly better than it was the first night. Yep. Moving on to the early round on round three, where there's just three heads-up casts, and I know that this is going to be altered a little bit because we did have two withdrawals, so two of the casts didn't hunt for the full 90 minutes, but still – over the three casts, 12 coons seen, seven scored, a little bit over two, 2.3 coons scored per, per cast in the heads up round in just a 90-minute cast. And then on the final cast, we saw four coons. Uh, whenever you're walking to a bunch of split, split we probably could have treated more, but we yeah. just walked our, our guts out to, from split tree to split tree, wasting a lot of hunt time. But uh, yeah. still you, four coons. You mentioned split. round three there, that uh, 90 minutes. But the other thing you you – you mentioned briefly there was uh, a couple of withdrawals that they didn't even hunt the 90 minutes, but that's because of the full, the new full elimination rules that once a dog is the only dog remaining in the cast like that, that in under full elimination format, that dog, uh, the hunt's over, that dog is the winner. Yeah. 
How much uh, how much negative feedback did you receive over the weekend over the new full elimination format? I'll tell you exactly how many. Zero. Zero. Yeah, they they love me. it. Yeah. They love it. It makes a whole lot of sense to those guys that are that are hunting in those type of events. And, uh, you know, what's the sense of out there banging the dog, banging around for whatever more after he's already beat his competition at that point, you know? So but they Jeff, loved it. When you break it down and look into it and see the reasons for it, it makes a whole lot of sense. Sure does. Sure does. And to just put a bow on the coon score there on the finals over the three day event, four rounds in Greencastle, 187 coon seen, 140 scored, 4.1 scored per cast over 34. Yeah. Great job to all the guides. Great job to the host club securing good quality guides. We appreciate you. Just want to thank you again for that. Absolutely. Alan, we both had Daltra Pathfinder 2s now for a little while. What do you think about yours? I'm liking mine. One of the things I had the opportunity to now download a map of an area where I did not have service, and I've used it there, and it has worked flawlessly. I love it. Yeah, I love the crystal clear maps. I love that I never lose reception on my dog's collars anymore. Highly recommended by me as well. Dogtra Pathfinder 2, the official GPS collar partner of UKC. Yeah, so I think we got a lot of our thank yous and some of our shout outs out of the way. So I thought it might be a might be fun to look at some of the data from the weekend there in Greencastle when talking about uh, maybe how did the reg how did the different regions fare, how did the breeds fare, and then talk about some of the uh, some of the other ins and outs of it. So let's let's get right into that. The first thing I have here is talking about how the, the, each dog's regions or each region fared as far as the dogs that they advanced. So let's start out with Region One, uh, the, pretty much the dominant region of the weekend. Uh, La Plata, Missouri, they advanced 18 dogs from their region. On the first night, eight of the 18 won their cast. For a, That's a 44% of the dogs that came from that region ended up advancing to the second round. Yeah, you know, I was uh, out there on the back patio. There were the, some of the cast, some of the first cast winners were coming back, and Rick was interview, interviewing them out there. And I was thinking, man, when he's asking them, they uh, most a lot of them were saying they came out of the La Plata yeah. zone. And I'm thinking, good gosh, they're yeah. all going to. Their own, that must be a, you know, a solid region right there, you know, but, uh, yeah, eight dogs. Yeah. Uh, that, that surprised me. Uh, I think beforehand, I kind of thought that when looking at the entry list, the grains just looked loaded to me. And I don't know if that's because of where maybe some of the major events that I go to and I see these guys over and over again, but I thought LaGrange looked just loaded and you were actually there, but LaGrange ended up advancing 15 dogs of the 15, three of them made it out of the first round. So. Not the best showing, 20% of them, but, mm -hmm. but not bad. They were yeah. represented. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you mentioned I was over there, you know, on uh, during the, the region part of it yeah. two weeks earlier. And, man, I don't know. You know, it's been it's been a while, you know, since I've been able to compete. I used to be ate up with it. It's what I love to do, you know, and to go there kind of in my home uh, hometown, home, home crowd and everything, yeah. walking in there, seeing all those. There was very few people I didn't know. And, man, it kind of hits you a little bit. Yeah. It was just like gosh, I wish it was, I wish I was one of them, you know, get done in something like this. You yeah. know, it really did. Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty cool. Absolutely. Getting us sidetracked here again. <laughs> no, that's, that's a good point. Uh, I remember you telling me about that. I'm glad you hit on that because we do, I do, I feel that oftentimes as well. Uh, TOC finals on Thursday is one of them whenever everybody's getting their picture taken. And I've never been to that. I've been to the world finals before when you're in the line to get your picture taken. And it's just, those butterflies, that's a that's a different feeling to yeah. feel like you're right on the cusp yeah. of something of something special at that point. Uh moving on to region three, Mount Gilead, Ohio. 
the largest entry of all of them. They advanced 21 dogs out of their region. Uh, four of the 21 ended up winning their cast. 19% of them advanced to round two. Yeah, you know, LaGrange is the one that we added this year because of Mount Gilead. They had they were just loaded, you know, the first two years with them. I mean, I had to, uh, last year, I think they had close to 300 dogs. 289 pre-entered yeah. last year. That's just too much. Yeah, but what a what a good area for, yeah. for an event like this. And they those guys do a great job over there getting guides and everything else. But, yeah. So, yeah, advancing the most, 21. They still had the most. Even though we broke it up with LaGrange, Indiana, they still had the most over there. Uh, Lancaster, probably our second best performing region after round one. They uh, they had 16 dogs advance to the final, and of the 16 of them, five of them advanced to round two, 31% of the entries. Yep. Yep, second, like you said, second to uh, only uh, behind La Plata there as far as number is advancing. That's right. Conway, they had 14 dogs advance uh, to the finals from the Conway-Arkansas region. Three of those advanced to uh, round two after Thursday night, so that's 21%. And then bringing up the rear was uh, was the Georgia boys down south. Comer, Georgia, they had 12 advance to the final. One of the 12 advanced. Yeah. Old preacher man. Yep. The, he was the lone survivor after yeah. round one, only 8%. But, yeah. Uh, preacher man was holding strong for him. And uh, after round two, I thought it was really neat. We're sitting there uh, – on Saturday, kind of looking at the final six and combing over them and getting different information from them. And when you broke it down, the six dogs, each from six different regions, each region was uh, was represented, represented yeah. there in the semifinals. Yeah, that was that was pretty neat, really. It, it really was to still see, you know, all the way down to the heads-up round, there was still a dog from eight dogs, and there's or, uh, six dogs, and every every region still represented. Yeah, We Very couldn't cool. have drawn it up like that. No, that's, that was Best case scenario, really, to see see one from each region kind of yeah. go at it like that yeah. was was pretty fun. And then obviously uh, the three that advanced to the finals: Ohio, Indiana, and Arkansas, with the uh, the Lagrange, Indiana dog Hobo bringing home the the big win for for the Lagrange, Indiana region. So yeah, I thought uh, that was a, a little fun tidbit there. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about breeds a little bit. Obviously, a lot goes into the into the you know. If you hunt a certain breed pretty steadily, you be, used to be a redbone man. Take a lot of pride in how redbones do, even if it's not yours. Uh, for me, I've always liked black and tans. I always keep a, a keen eye on how black and tans are doing in major events. So I'm sure people enjoy this. Obviously, Tree and Walkers had the most advanced to the finals. Uh, 76 of the 96 dogs were Tree and Walkers. After round one, 17 were still standing. Um, for a total of 22% of Tree and Walkers were still there. So 17 out of 76. Yep. Uh, Blue Ticks kind of stole the show there on Thursday They on, did. They were well Thursday represented night. here. Seven of them entered, and yeah. Four of them. Four made it after round one. Four of the seven. Yeah. I thought that was really impressive. Two of them Two of them ended up drawing each other in the one cast, and I think this, the other Blue Tick, I think, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and look at the scorecard, but I think he was second in cast. Mm, yeah. Yeah, Crowder and I think it was Thief. Thief, yeah. Yep. Uh, of the English, there were seven English. Only one of them made it through the first round. That was uh, the Boomer dog there yep. from Southern Ohio. Yeah. Uh, none of the Black and Tans were able to win in round one. Right. Uh, there was only three there, and, and none of them were able to get a round one cast win. Yeah, but that the, that Rock dog. I expected him to make that dog wins quite a bit, and I thought that that one kind of I was kind of watching him a little bit. Yeah. But, but if he keeps making it there, he's bound to make a run at it. Yep. Seems like he's showing up at this hunt a couple times now and also the world finals, you know, so, yeah. yeah. And the X-Breds, three yeah. X-Breds there, and two of them made it out of the yeah. first round. Yeah. Uh, Master P and uh, Preacher Man both made it out of the first round. Yeah, you know, uh, speaking of that Master P, I did, I've never seen that dog before, you know, that uh, the owners, handlers, they're pretty pretty good guys. I kind of got to know them a little yeah. bit there, and 
And you mentioned uh, Clayton Stark was there, and he videoed a lot of that. He went out on some of the uh, the semi casts or semifinal casts, and and that Master P dog was uh, was one of those. And that is she. That's a female, actually. I thought it might be a male, yeah, but same. man, she is a tree dog. Yeah. Out of Power Trip, who was a, yeah. who was a finalist in the first year. Exactly, Power Trip, and then a blue tick female. Yeah, yeah. Cody Carter, I think, judged the cast there in the round two that uh, Clayton was out filming uh, in. Cody is one of those honest guys. When he comes back, he's going to tell you what he thinks about a dog, and he really liked that dog. So that yeah. kind of goes a lot for saying what uh, what Master P can do. Yeah, and you can see, watch all that. That's up on Clayton Stark's uh, page right now. So after the second round there, after round two, we were left standing with four tree and walkers, a blue tick, and the next spread that can, that can, uh, comprised our final six, our semifinalists. And the final cast had two walkers and for the first time ever, a blue tick. Actually, the first time we ever had a uh, non-walker dog in our tournament champion final cast. So yeah. that was uh, pretty neat. And you could tell on social media, it meant a lot to all the, all the blue tickers and, and most of the non-walker folks were on there all lobbying their support for Crowder and, yeah. and Mr. Travis Deal. You know, and, and that those heads up, those three cast heads up, I don't know. I just really thought the matchups were so well matched yeah. on paper anyways. You never know what's going to happen, you know, but on paper. And, you know, uh, speaking of the draw, the handlers actually draw their own cast. When they came in Thursday, when they signed up or confirmed that they were there, they already got, uh, you know, drew their cast number. And when entries closed, the cast were all drawn, you know, and and uh, it's, every round we did that, you know. Yeah. So the handlers drew drew their own uh, drew their own cast, and that's the way it landed, you know. But uh, yeah, I thought the matchups were just great. Yeah, they were. They were couldn't draw it up any better. Oh yeah. As soon as the X red and the blue drew each other, you're thinking, man. So one up, where our final cast is going to have some color. In yeah. It, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, great three three great matchups, six great dogs, six great handlers. Uh, it was just a fun, yeah. it was a fun Saturday night. You know, the one, you know, Joe and little Joe and little Lacey, you know, and Casey and Casey, you <laughs> yep. know, Casey Stallard, Casey, uh, uh, Maggard. Yep. But, uh, and then yeah, obviously you mentioned Crowder and, and the X-Bred. Yeah. The two preacher big, man. the two big loud walking yep. males going against each other. Yep. Just, Hobo and BTO. Yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah. I don't know how you would have, if, you know, if you could have just wrote up the matchups, it's probably about what you would have done. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, hey, let's talk about those six dogs a little bit. Give them a little bit of their due. Yeah. yeah let's yeah. start out with uh, maybe the, our losers from uh, from yeah. round three, maybe. Uh, first one I see here is is our ex-bred, Grand Night Champion 4, Bad Habits Preacher Man. Uh, Caleb Griffin owns him from uh, from South Carolina there. Uh, Georgia, South Carolina area, down there in the southeast. Um, and this one's obviously out of a dog that's uh, a well-known Grand Night Champion, Bad Habits Sam. Um, no stranger to the winter circles and multiple registries. This dog's won, won a lot there. He's a, uh, if you're looking on the front page. Right yeah, now, there it is. Yeah. Um, I don't, uh, the bottom side here, do you know much about the tree slam and uh, stylish Frankie dog or Dritcher's black pearl? No, not a, not a whole lot. I think, uh, I've, I've heard of that stylish Frankie dog, but I really don't know a whole lot of, about him. You know, the, the top side, I know a lot more about that. Some of that bad habit, Sam, obviously that was a, an, an ex-bred dog off of old, uh, bad habit, yep. which bad habit is a dog that has just won a lot. That was a good, good hound right there. Uh, but this pedigree right here is solid, yeah. solid, solid pedigree. Uh, the uh, one of our other uh, semifinalists who made the top six here was Big Time Overdrive, Grand Night Champion Two, Big Time Overdrive that the Binghams and uh, Sn uh, Nick Snodgrass own up there in uh, in Iowa. Snodgrass is from Nebraska, 
uh, man, he's bred. He's bred out of this world. Too. Uh, he, he is. You know, the bottom side, uh, half breed trader, stylish Bella. You know, uh, but in uh, the top side, uh, I don't know uh, a whole lot about that. You know, but I know the bottom side is. Uh, yeah, he's no accident either. Now he's probably not going to win a whole lot of bench shows. I know somebody. <laughs> somebody was it on the live feed or yeah, had the picture of the, the dog or something? I think somebody asked uh, in the comments there is is that dog? Has he got any bench show titles? But it was kind of funny, but. Uh, Hey, uh, he's a coon treeer, obviously, yeah, you know, absolutely big old, uh, big old tree and machine right there. Yeah. BTO. He is. And I think he just ran out of gas after uh, listening to some of Jeff's interviews. Sound like he may have just ran out of gas. I haven't talked to Jacob myself, but yeah. And just kind of, you know, just circumstances, you know, just kind of took, went the wrong way right out of the gate and hobos up on him, you know, and it, uh, man, that changes the tide pretty quickly, you know? And, and, uh, but yeah. And then our last semi, last semifinalist, I didn't make it through little Lacey, uh, don't need to talk too much about the top side here. Rackham Willie, my goodness, the things that he's doing right now in yeah. the reproduction ring, uh, just in our registry, is just incredible. Yep. Crazy, crazy. The bottom side, uh, the Jam and Holly female is uh, Lacey's mama. I know her sire trick magic. You know that was a good hound too. Um, but yeah, that's uh, another good pedigree right there. No accident for Absolutely sure. Not. Yep. Our third place dog, uh, Little Joe, the Stallard Zone, uh, Rick Marshall, those guys. Um, out in uh, R&R's knee show cuz. Keep seeing that name over and over again every as well. Year, every year here at the Tournament of Champions, seems like he's had several several outstanding dogs here in the finals for sure. Yeah. Hardwood Elvis attack. I know uh, on the uh, live stream, uh, Rick started talking about him a little bit, you know, and that was a dog that uh, – that did a lot of tricks. He knew like, I don't know, 36, 37 different commands. You yeah. know, he was a smart old coon hound right there. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, you know, a grand night champion. He wasn't uh, He wasn't just smart. He was a coon tree and machine too. Old Elvis attack. Yep. Yeah. And here we have uh, our second place dog night champion, Rockin' R, Honest Crowder. Uh, I know in the live show, Steve went pretty in depth on this dog's pedigree. Obviously, I'm not as familiar with this dog's pedigree looking at it, but uh, Bo, Bo Diddley is one that we're going to talk about in a minute who had multiple dogs in this TOC finals. So he must be holding up his own. And then if you look at the bottom side, uh, the Honest Poison Ivy dog, that's the dam of this Crowder dog, is straight out of Bo Cephas, mm -hmm. who is and just those, incre has an incredible reproduction rate right now. He does. Bo Cephas and, and Bo Diddley, for that matter, too. Both both of them do. And the same thing here again. Just bred to the hilt. And then our winner, uh Got to listen to Jeff talk about it on a podcast just a little bit ago. Uh, talk about his um, his pedigree and uh, and Mike Gilbert and just the line of dogs that he's uh, he's having there. But uh, Grand Out Champion Strix, Hard Times Hobo, he's out of Night Champion Bus Row Creek Josie Wells, and the dam is uh, Bus Row Creek Casey, mm. both from there in Indiana. Yeah, so the Finley River Jeb dog, that dog's uh, is from the same area there, you know, and that's obviously what Josie Wales is off of. But yeah, just uh, uh, he's a, you know, Jeff talks about it. They had him since he's been like 15 months old, and he came from Mike Gilbert there. You know, he's kind of a uh, trains a lot of young dogs and everything. So they, he was. Uh, I listened to him too last night when I was out running my dogs. Listened to a podcast uh, that he was talking about this when they went to get him. You know, and it's interesting how those guys go. Uh, look at young dogs like this. You know, they're looking for a for a, their next, you know, winner or whatever, and they go out and they, you know, they want to run the dog by himself, you know, on the same night they, uh, you know, let him turn him loose by himself, and then they put another dog in with him, and then they put three other dogs with him, you know, and how they really test them out, you know, and how he just impressed them, you know, at yeah. 15 months old, and, 
you know, going to his last tree, he's talking about, uh, you know, John staying up at the check or up at the truck, writing out the check, yeah. you know, and pretty interesting. Yeah. If you haven't checked that out, Steve Fielder going to the dogs podcast with Jeff, Jeff Rickless that just dropped. Yeah. That's a good interview. It I is. really enjoyed it. Jeff yeah. is, I've, I've only got the chance to know him a little bit over the past year, probably. Um, and man, what a, what a nice guy. And, uh, He's one of the good ones. He's a guy that you can easily root for. Yep. He's a dog man. He's a handler. He's been doing this for a long time, you know, and he's he's always going to have a good dog. You know, he talks a lot about his bad luck with his dog. It just seems like he's just lost a lot. He just couldn't buy a cast. You know, he's just always there. It's not like the dog is off or anything. He talks a lot about, you know, just losing on a tiebreaker, losing by 25, and a lot of them like that. And it's just like, man, what is, you know, what's wrong here, you know, but uh, – there was nothing wrong here at the Tournament of Champions with that dog. He went clicking. out and he was clicking. He earned it and looked impressive doing it. You know, and he talked about never made a circle tree. Every tree the dog made in the tournament had a raccoon in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that says a lot. There's a There was not much foliage on the trees at all. Yeah. Uh, there's not much room for mistakes, and he did not make one. Yeah. And that's what it takes to win yeah. a major hunt like this. You know, and, and it's, it's not like he just, you know, uh, Jeff was talking about a little bit on with Steve that, you know, the, the scores don't always tell the story, you know, because he said a couple of those casts were actually closer than what it looked like. You know, like the first one on Thursday night, it came down hunts over and he's sitting through their tree and he has to he has to have a coon to win that cast. And, and obviously he did, you know, but uh, it wasn't they weren't all easy. No, absolutely not. For sure. Yep. Well, while we're talking, while we just went through the pedigrees there. Let's talk about some of the, the sires and dams who, yeah. who really. Uh, who really had a great weekend as far as dogs advancing to this finals. And there's nowhere else that we can start besides world night champion, grand night champion two, Grace Rackham Willie. Six of the 96 dogs were out of Willie at this hunt. Um, seems like we talk about this uh, world finals, TOC finals every year. It's just incredible what this dog's doing. Yeah. And we, I, I uh, interviewed or I talked to, to uh, uh, J.R. Gray on the last episode uh, you can you can hear that uh, interview with uh, Jr. But we talked about Willie, you know, and, and there's it just that just amazes me how that all happened. You know, a young kid, he's green, comes to the world hunt, brings this Willie dog, ends up winning it, and look what he's done since then. Yeah. Just a solid reproducer. Yeah. And if it hadn't been for him coming, which he almost didn't, I I don't know where we'd be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's exactly, made a, he's yeah. made a solid positive impact on the breed for sure. Yeah, let's let's mention these six dogs real quick. Willie Smoking Joe, Stevenson's Willow, a little Lacey who made it there to the top six, Split Tree and Trigger, Willie's Insane Scar, one of the betting favorites before the event, and Raising Cane. Great yep. weekend for, yep. for six Willie. of them. Impressive. We had four different sires that advanced three dogs to the finals, which is impressive among, among itself. Uh, the first one here, champion, Grand Night champion, Lone Pine Muscle Tracks, had three dogs advanced to the final. Uh, Miller's Lone Pine Two-Track, Lone Pine Patty, and Ringtail's Forever Ann. Uh, it's impressive. Yep. One that we've talked about a little bit already, champion, Grand Night champion, R&R's Knee, Show Cuz, had the shocker, Little Joe, who made it all the way to the final cast, and Thunderbird's Dominator, who was on the final cast last year. Yep. Uh, and a lot of people had him picked uh, to go far this year again. This next one here is one from, from your country, right? This dog is really making a name for itself. Yep, Daniel Wilson's hound. Wilson, Schooner River, Fred Bear. Had three dogs advance the final. Johnson Creek, Gabby with Nick Himmel, who made it to the semifinals last year. Uh, night champion, Blackwell's Crash. 
and night champion kickstarted my heart who came into in, in the season before the event yeah. to get to compete here. and that jip has been winning a lot all the way up to here it's too bad you know because she's been cranking you know and just came in season here before this one couldn't be entered or what have you but uh yeah and rounding out those uh sires with three pups in the finals old power pack still yep. around yep uh had the national grand night champion sundown aka apollo in the in the top ninety six, uh, night champion Timber Rock and Hannah from over in South Carolina. Yeah, Mr. Crawford's dog. He always has some good females there, and Hannah's one of those. Yep, he does. And night champion Power Switch. Um, and real quick, we'll just mention there's five sires here that had two pups in the finals each. Uh, like we just talked about, champion Grand Night Champion Two Homebrew Blue Bo Diddley, uh, champion Grand Night Champion Walston's Blue Big Country, Grand Champion Grand Night Champion Big Money. Uh, tree and walker that kevin cable owns over in indiana grand night champion champion money max out uh out of big money also yep. had two dogs in the finals and then grand night champion wipeout three from down down in the southeast georgia that area uh, i got two through to the final so and then one of the mo one of the more impressive things that i saw over the weekend they did talk about it a little bit on the live show here was this female grand night champion l and l she's out of your league libby advanced three dogs to the finals all three out of different males yeah. i thought that was was pretty neat there yeah and you you're may, familiar with these dogs a little I, bit. I am you may not even know that that libby dog is only maybe 20 miles from the office here where oh, she's yeah. at yeah so uh but yeah she was a she's a nice little female there and had uh had uh three three pups in the finals yeah. two track whacked out little libby and the drinking bone dog yeah that little uh, little Libby, Arnett's whacked out little Libby. That is the dog that that uh, Maddox Arnett hunts. That's right. And he's at fourteen. Yeah. I think fourteen years 14 old. Years he was old. there second time, second year in a row that he made it to the finals. Yeah, impressive kid. Yep. And then we had also had three females that had two pups in the finals each. That was uh, champion Georgia Piper, uh, Grand Night champion Johnson Creek Abby, and uh, stylish Bobby Sue. Yep. So good job by all those breeders getting multiple dogs in the finals. That is not easy to do. Not no, and that's anymore. a that's something that I just I, I'm I'm really into breeders seeing breeders do well with uh, with their offspring, you know, in big events like this. So kudos to all those breeders and and folks making uh, these crosses that are doing well and making good choices in in the breeding pens. Yeah, getting them in the right hands too. Yep. That seems to be absolutely the, the biggest part of it. So, and and real quick before we we wrap up our our conversation on the finals and kind of move to talk about the regions, just a, the regional uh, aspect of it a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about returning dogs. I made a list of all the dogs that have been to it multiple times, and I just thought it was impressive. Kevin Morehouse and his Willow female, third year in a row that they've been here. Three years of the TLC Finals, they've been there every year so far. You know, I kind of forgot. I was talking to him there this year about Willow, and I I forgot that this he was pretty green that first year he, he had Willow there. He just kind of lucked in, kind of a beginner's luck for him. and and uh, But, yeah, here she is again. Yeah. Three years in a row. Three years in a row. Yep. Her her and uh Grand Night Champion Four, Old South Stylish Knockout. Hey, and that's Chris she's Bowling. she's off a of Willie, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those. Yeah. That's right, one of those Willow pups. Uh the only other one to have done that is owned by Chris Bowling of Kentucky. That's Grand Night Champion Four, Old South Stylish Knockout. Yeah. Yep. Another one who's a contender every time he shows up. Yep. And his boy actually helped me uh with uh drawing or uh, helped me draw on the cast on Thursday night. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Jacob. Jacob. He ran you the cards. He, he probably him, ran a mile up and down those he stairs. Did, he did. He <laughs> ran the cards down there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so shout out to those guys. We had a bunch of dogs there for a second time, like you talked about earlier. Redmond's Black Rock is there for the second year in a row. Uh, Heartland Bonnie, uh, Zach McBee, and Eldon Cork are there for the second year in a row. Bus Row Creek Hawk, Wyatt Monin, who was just in the final cast of the World Championship, made it there for the second year in a row. Bad Melonhead, Matt Barnes was there for the second year in a row. 
we talked about Johnson Creek, Gabby already, Nick Emmel. Mm-hmm. Um, they were there back again. Hillbilly PR, PBR has been there twice. Libby and uh, Maddox Arnett and Mike Arnett are there for the second year in a row. Uh, there's a few more here. Hunter Proof Brandy, Limited Edition Dixie, Himes Tree Talking Trixie, Raising Cane, uh, Thunderbirds Dominator, No Limit Sniper, Mayo Singing Rock, and Roberts Backwoods Quinn from over in South Carolina. All of them ones that have made it back there. It's hard enough to make it once, but to do it two times in a row or two out of three years is impressive in, in, in amongst itself. So. Uh, congratulations to everyone there getting the finals. It's really hard to do. Over 1,300 dogs qualified, 800 competed in the regions, uh, and you were one of the top 96 this year. So congratulations on being there. Uh, for anyone who didn't have a chance to be there and, and wasn't able to keep up with the event as it was going, there's a lot of, of coverage from the event that's still out there. Uh, the first place I'd point you to is the United Kennel Club's YouTube YouTube page. Uh, we still have uh, videos from our live show that are on there. We have the Thursday night show, the Midnight Mayhem show that's – that we had Rick Stretch out there doing uh, interviews with the 24 cast winners as they came in. So that's a great watch. Uh, I know you really enjoyed watching that one. I've not made it all the way through that one quite yet as of this recording, but uh, we'll get there here here this week. Yeah, and the media team does a good uh, job breaking down just all the final six interviews and putting them in one clip as well, you know, that are separate from the from the live stream. That's they're true. in the live stream, but they're, you can see them separately as well. Yeah, then there's the live play-by-play from Saturday night that – goes through uh, the, the round three, early round, the heads-up matchups and all the way through the final cast. And the way that they chop it up, you can easily just navigate through there and see if you want to see an interview, if you want to see them talking about a certain dog, you can kind of navigate that whole video and, and see the highlights or the points that you want to see. So uh, be sure to check out the United Kennel Club YouTube page. There's also going to be some uh, some interviews with the top six. Like you said, there's an interview with or a, a little video recap from the weekend. Also an interview with Jeff Rickliffs on there after his win that they, they conducted. And like we talked about earlier, go to Clayton Stark's YouTube page, uh, Stark's Outdoors, and check out his uh, TOC recap video. Uh, he did a good job out there on a couple different casts and and get to see some of the winning dogs from the weekend in action. Mm-hmm. So be sure to check those out. Well, now I say that we get we talk about the, the, our TOC regions a little bit. Obviously, those happened before the finals, but the finals is fresh on our mind, and uh, and we wanted to get that. Uh, and That's where get it that all starts. Highlight. That's right. So let's talk about the regions a little bit. I don't want it to get lost in the shuffle. I want to I want to throw some shout outs to our host clubs and some of the people behind it, and maybe talk about some of the coon score and that sort of thing. I thought that'd be fun for anybody who who maybe was there or or maybe deciding what region they want to hunt in next year. So uh, obviously, eight hundred and four total entries entered into the regions, and there were six regions they could choose from that were pretty much all over the country. No matter where you were, you could you had a reasonable driving distance to one of these six regions. Um, the first one this year was the Northeast Missouri. Coon Hunters Association. Uh, they're in Kirksville, but the event was actually in La Plata, Missouri, not far from down the road from there. And uh, got to give a shout out to John Higgins and Zach McBee there in that area for putting on that event. Um, they did a great job. Did, did. And just uh, very good reports coming out of that region as well. Uh, Tim Gilchrist was our master of hounds from that region. He's our field rep from uh, Iowa. And uh, that was one of, that was our second biggest region as far as entry numbers go. They uh, had 147 dogs pre-entered. Um, so they advanced 18. Um, over the course of the weekend, they actually hunted 61 casts with 244 dogs. Only two dead casts all weekend out of the 61 casts they had. Uh, only one question all weekend, according to Tim. Um, and they did a great job. 273 coon seen, 229 coon scored. That's 3.8 coon scored per cast there at that region. And the cutoff to get through to the finals was 475 plus. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a, you know, and that's a good score. Okay, all depends where you are. You, you might think that's kind of high or whatever to get in, but really not not for out there. It's really not that. That's come country. It is. And, it is. And honestly, um, looking at the numbers compared to last year, the numbers of coons scored in Saint was significantly down this year, actually. And I think a lot of it has to do with some of the weather that each of the regions fought on Friday night. It had a big effect on some of the hunts. It is, and 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 it's good to bring that up, you know, because it was pretty much everywhere. Like when I was down in Lagrange, the same thing there. You know, it started storming. It was supposed to be coming in, you know, soon after midnight, and they they kind of got lucky. And actually, it was uh, it, it started pretty heavy while I was there. You know, before they even went out, but it kind of blew over. But it was uh. It was a it was kind of a rough weekend weather rise all the way across, around the country. I'm not sure about Comer, Georgia, but uh, about everywhere else it was. Yeah, um, yeah next one, uh, Lagrange, Indiana. Uh, this was uh, this this uh, region had a hundred. Let's see, a hundred and twenty six pre entries. They advanced fifteen. This is the Northeastern Indiana Cooners Club. Would be our host club there. And uh, the two guys that you're very familiar with, you've worked closely with, uh, live right near, I guess, Jay Miller and Tracy Thompson there yeah. uh, near Reading, Michigan. Yeah, and they worked together a lot to, uh, to get all the guides on. They didn't use any non-hunting guides. They had plenty of – they had more than they could use as far as hunting guides go, and and they could uh, spread them out pretty easily. It was uh, – they had to turn – they even had to turn some uh, hunting guides down. Yeah. Uh, Doug Cundiff. Obviously, we just talked about him a lot about the TLC finals. He worked this region, uh, came up from Greencastle. Uh, they ended up uh, having 218 dogs hunt over the two night weekends. That's 55 casts, and they had two dead casts yeah. both on Friday night when they were finding some pretty, pretty harsh uh, yeah. weather. And no questions all weekend, Doug said. So, yep. uh, great made job by the judges yep, in that Made region. his job easy. Absolutely. Over the weekend, out of those uh, 218 dogs and 55 casts, there was 324 coon seen. That was the most coon seen in a in any region. 240 scored on for our higher our highest average, 4.4 coon scored per cast there in the range. Yeah, uh, it was a cutoff of 600 plus to make it through. Of course, only 15 made it through, so it was a very competitive region. Yeah, and Saturday night ended up being nice and cool, a good night to hunt. You know, after all that rain came through the day before, but uh, yeah. Had some good scores. Coons were moving really good the next night. So yeah, I know we're going to uh, we're going to dedicate a whole a whole uh, segment of a podcast of this about in the future. But we're looking at some of the coons scored here and talking about how it's down from last year. Um, and after any events like this, you go to Grand American here at Winter Classic here at Automoshi here. At, um, one thing that really helps everybody involved, the event officials, the judges, us here at UKC, is when people stay with their cast. Um, and you know, when the coons are down score, that's a good, we like, I mean, I mean, honestly, it's, it's not a bad thing when you see that, but, uh, you can really help the validity of, of these events. If you stick around and you don't, you're not withdrawing just to be withdrawn. If you stick around with the cast and especially if you're judging, you've been appointed to judge, stick around and, and finish that task, man, it sure goes a long way in putting on a quality event. For, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Region 3 was in Mount Gilead, Ohio. Third year in a row they've done it there at the Morrow County Cooners Association. Uh, we worked closely with Mark Bear and Rick Stretch from that uh, that region. They had the highest entry, 173 entries in. Um, over the weekend, they ended up hunting 261 dogs and 66 casts. Um, only three dead casts out of the 66 casts. Can't beat it. Can't beat that. That's, That's going to happen anywhere, you know. And we talk about this area being, you know, a mecca in, uh, for – for raccoons, you know, but uh, you can't beat that. Yeah. Cannot beat that. 307 coons seen, 251 scored for 3.8 scored per cast. So uh, Mount Gilead, you know, if you go there, you're going to be in some raccoons. So 
better have your dog ready to tree some. Um, only four That's questions. Where the world hunt's going to be this this fall. I'll be there in just a couple of weeks. Black and tan days coming yep. up pretty quick. So I'm excited to get over there and yeah, the world finals. I know they're going to do. They're already working on it. We got. They were give, telling us all our pl- all their plans at the TOC finals. So really looking forward to being there. And they do organ. They're very organized. Do a very a really good job. Uh, Jamie Estep was our field rep there. Uh, Dick's River Coon Club in Lancaster, Kentucky. They gave them a hard time over there, too. I think (laughs) I heard some of the stories. They were ribbing back and forth pretty good. Uh, There was a, yeah, there was a, there was a little bit of a rivalry between Ohio and West Virginia. Yeah, I think they pretty much baptized him over there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Region 4 was back in Lancaster, Kentucky, uh, hosted by the Dick's River Coon Club. Uh, Jeff Wilson's kind of the one I work with closely there. He does it a great job. They hardly use any uh, non-hunting guides either. They pretty much guide themselves. They ended up having 136 entries um, over the weekend. Uh, 222 dogs hunted out of 56 casts, nine dead casts. So uh, Lancaster, they had some of the worst weather on Friday night, I would say. So that uh, they had quite a few dead casts on, on Friday night. Uh, no questions for the whole weekend though. Um, and they, there was some coon scored, uh, 162 seen, 128 scored. For an average of two point three coons scored per cast, and it took four fifty plus to make it through. Mm-hmm. Uh, Curtis Sparks and Brandon Scalfer, our master of hounds, there working that event. Brandon, our new one, got to sit in with Curtis and kind of see how these things work, so yeah. we'll be uh, more familiar with the. With you know, the, and, and, and it's no secret we all know anybody that's hunted for a while or hunted around the country knows. You know, they you're just not going to score the coon in Kentucky like you are in in northern Ohio and sure. northern Indiana. You know, but. Uh, the way this is set up, uh, somebody can uh, enter a qualified dog in whatever region they want to for whatever reason. And one of the reasons might be that their dog might do better in thinner coon, you know, less Absolutely. coon has, you know, so there's a there's a reason why some guys might choose Kentucky over Indiana. I guarantee there Ohio. were some people who are just smack dab in, the twi- in between Lancaster and Mount Gilead, and they went to Lancaster for that very reason. Their exactly. dog is going to look better when there's only a, co- a coon or two to be treed. They got a better chance of getting through there than they do in Mount Gilead in a coon train contest. Yeah. Uh, Region 5 is hosted by actually the Arkansas State Coon Owners Association, and they have it there in Conway, Arkansas, at the the Wildlife uh, uh, Center there in Conway. John Daly has been our point of contact. He's kind of handed over the reins to Travis Goodman, um, Alan Kalal from uh, Minnesota was our field rep that works that event. Yeah, I know. I talked to Alan right after that, and he yeah. said, uh, hey, that's a great guy he was yeah. working with down there. So uh, that's good. Kudos to him. He was very impressed with him. Yeah, so yep. Looks like it's they're just going to keep on uh, keep on doing the good work there and putting on a quality event. Um, that's a region that had 119 pre-entries uh, over the two nights. They hunted 201 dogs and 51 casts and just five dead casts out of 51. Took 450-plus to make it through the Conway, Arkansas region. Another place where there was uh, uh, some coon treeing going on. Let's see, 150 coon seen, 130 scored in those uh, 51 casts, uh, two and a half uh, coon scored per cast. And they have a lot of water there this year, probably mm-hmm. more so than usual uh, by quite a bit. Yeah. And, and it, it had been, an effect been, on some of the Yeah, situation. we've been hearing that from other hunts in that general area. And, and matter of fact, they had a uh, they had a tornado go through there just yeah. the same night, not too far from there. Yeah. Um, and uh, running it out with Region 6 there in Comer, Comer, Georgia. Like you said, they didn't have the bad weather the other places did. Uh, it was a little dry. They had some high winds. Uh, the storms, for the most part, missed out on them, so they probably had the best weather. But it was funny. I did get a picture from uh, Sharon Foster, Philip yeah. Foster's <laughs> wife, uh, on Saturday night, and they had uh, him and Alan Roberts were working the event, one of our newer field reps there from southeast Tennessee. And 
the a car had hit a power pole down the road and the the power went out there at the fairground. So send me a picture of like they're set up there at the table with some flashlights and candles set up and I'll look like some kind of uh, seance. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it looked like, but it got it was uh, it got me tickled pretty good. If uh, somebody comes you in with a played question, around with that one a little bit probably. <laughs> somebody somebody comes in with a question. I guess uh, Phillips gonna be asking questions. Alan's gonna be shining the yeah. light in the guy's face, interrogating them or what. But uh, uh, pretty yeah. pretty good stuff there. Luckily, it came on in time for uh, for all the paperwork they had to do. But uh, yeah, Comer, Georgia, they were uh, our smallest region down there. They ended up with 103 entries there. Uh, that's hosted by the Tri-County Coon Hunters Association. They go to Comer, Georgia, which is uh, right by Elberton. They host some major events, I know, like the Peach Classic, and they've sometimes had the Georgia State there and, and different things. We've been down in that area for the World Finals before uh, in the neighboring city, I think. Um, and they do a great job of getting uh, dogs and quality hunting for that area. Um, over the course of the weekend, 166 dogs went to the woods and 42 cast, and there were nine uh, dead casts, most of them on uh, on Friday night, uh, seemed like seven of them. On, fr- on Saturday, they had a lot better hunting conditions, seemed like. Um, <clears throat> they had seen 109 coons scored on 82 for an average of two coons scored per cast, and uh, 350-plus was the cutoff, so still had to do yep. a little bit of country and to make it through to the finals. It yep. wasn't a, wasn't an easy walkthrough for anybody in any of these regions. Yep. So. I wanted yeah. to give a shout out to uh, to all the host clubs out there, uh, to all of uh, the points of contact we have that are putting on these big events. It's not easy to put on a 150, 200 dog hunt anymore. Um, it's hard to get quality guides to put that many dogs in the woods. So we sure appreciate these six clubs stepping up to the plate and doing it for us. Absolutely. Not just that, but they, it seems like they've taken pride in putting on this event for the Tournament of Champions and have done an excellent job. And man, like you said, thank you so much. And thank you to everybody who have uh, who have made this event such a success, man. We're uh, we're ready to shift gears now. We're obviously already in the spring. We've have a bunch of breed days that have already happened. We have more breed days coming up, state championships, and it's time to start working towards the world. It it is, you know. And and just one more thing, you know, we talk about the host clubs, we talk about the judges and the guides and everybody else. We would be remiss to not thank every all the owners and handlers out there that are getting their dogs qualified for their tournament champions. Thank you all. Qualifying started now. You have until the end of this year to get your five cast wins. Keep up with it in our Coonhound Bloodlines publication. You can see it on ukcdogs.com. And uh, we hope to see you at the TOC finals next year. Thank you for listening to the UKC Hunting Ops podcast. Be sure to give us a follow so you don't miss any of our new episodes or content.